Isaiah chapter 40, which can be found on 726. Beginning to read at verse 21. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind sweeps them away like chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by my God? Do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youth grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. This is the word of the Lord. Morning. Someone switch this on. Thank you, Adrian. I'm no good at technical things. Can you hear me? Is this on? Yes? Something's come up. <laughs> oh, thank you. Right, shall we pray? Father, we pray that we will get a better picture of who you are and what you long to be to each one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a lot of controversy over the last chapters of Isaiah, of who actually wrote them, what period they cover, and so what was happening to God's people at that time? There are many different views. There was one Isaiah, there were two, there were three. None of that matters to us today. We're not going to look at the various views. But what we're going to consider is what was God saying to his defeated and discouraged people who felt that he'd given up on them? And what is he saying to us today in our trials? One of the most striking things about the Jewish religion is the centrality of memory 
and storytelling. Each generation passed on to the next the truths about the Creator God, His power, His might, His faithfulness, and how He had always cared for them throughout their history. They told and retold the account, and every Jewish child grew up hearing about this amazing God who had committed himself to taking care of them. Yet now, at this point in their history, they were doubting his power and his love and concern. Every single thing that God had promised seemed to have been taken away. And perhaps most importantly, God himself no longer seemed to dwell among them or be taking care of them. It appeared that the sorry, it appeared that he'd left his people, and the so-called gods of the heathen nations seemed to be more powerful than Jehovah. Doesn't he care? Or is he impotent? Is he unable to deal with their problems? Isaiah calls out to those who are weary and disheartened to reconcile their present trials with what they know or should know of this amazing God. So he calls to them, don't you know? Haven't you heard? Haven't you been told from the beginning? This is not new information that he's bringing to them. He's reminding them of their basic beliefs, what they've been brought up to believe about God. And the same could be said of many of us. Maybe not everyone, but I bet a lot of people here grew up in Sunday school as children. I certainly did. And we were taught about this God who loves us and who sent Jesus to die for us and who was with us day by day looking after us. So it could be said to us, don't you know? Have you forgotten about this great and mighty God who cares for you? Is it possible for such a God to let you down? Too many of us are spiritually bankrupt. So when trials come, there's nothing to give us strength and to see us through. We've forgotten the things we learned and we've let the world's thinking affect us. We need to put spiritual riches in the bank for when the hard times come. This means spending time regularly with God. This is not an optional extra. This is vital, day by day, to spend time in his presence, to read and meditate on his word, maybe to sing love songs to him. The thing about time on our own with God, it doesn't matter if we haven't got a good voice, we can still sing to him, and he delights in that. And all of these things are stored up in our subconscious, ready for when the hard times come. I've been thinking recently, because of this passage about how great God is, of a a chorus, a worship song that I learned years ago during my formative years as a Christian that meant so much to me and still means something. And some of you will, will know this. How great is our God? How great is his name? How great is his power? 
forever the same. He rolled back the waters of the mighty Red Sea and he said, I'll never leave you. Put your trust in me. I wonder how many of us have sung that and have those words sitting there in our subconscious. You see, we don't have to remember everything we read in God's word or even the songs that we sing to him. We don't have to remember them all, but we do have to have them stored in our subconscious. We have to put the treasure there in the first place. And then the spirit can take what's needed and apply it. You see, some people think that when a trial comes, they've got to think of something to hold on to. What's a Bible verse that would help in this situation? And they struggle to find something. I've known people even open their Bibles and put their finger in. What's God saying to me now for this situation? We don't need to do that. If it's all stored in our subconscious over the years, the spirit takes what's needed and he applies it to our life. And I've found this over and over again when a crisis has suddenly come and a verse has been there. I haven't thought of it. The spirit has put it there. But we must put the treasure there. We must store it up in our subconscious for him to use. God isn't simply a refuge for us to run into when trouble comes. We're meant to dwell in his presence daily. The Bible talks about abiding in his shadow, experience his faithfulness moment by moment, day by day. Then when trouble comes, we'll already be in a safe place with him. Psalm 42 verse eight says, by day, the Lord directs his love. This is by day, when things are going well, when we're in, walking in the light, he directs his love to us. And at night, in the times of darkness, his love is with me. It's still there. But we start by experiencing him in the day, before the troubles come. So who is this God that we're to trust in? What are we being reminded of in this passage, what do we need to store deep in our subconscious? Verse 26 says, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. I read this the other day about Andromeda. It appears in our night sky as a small smudge of light. It's the nearest galaxy to our Milky Way. It is between two and a half and three million light years away. Now I can't even grasp what that means. And it's composed of more than a thousand billion stars, most of which are bigger than our sun. It's one of more than 1,000 million galaxies in the universe. And all these were made by our God. Isn't that mind-blowing? Let's see more of his handiwork. He created that. And that. And that. 
the greatness of our Creator God. Yet in verses 27 and 28, Isaiah says to the people, why do you complain? Why do you say God doesn't care about me? And I wonder sometimes if we see the greatness of God, but we imagine him to be too far removed from our little problems. He can't care. He's got other things to think about. We're too insignificant. But Isaiah goes on to say, don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't get weary. He knows everything about us. And he cares. His understanding is deeper than we could ever grasp. I had an experience of this shortly before Christmas. I was thinking about these things because I knew I was going to be speaking on them. And I was looking at different pictures of the universe. And I was imagining the vastness of it and the God who'd made it all. How great, how mighty. Our minds can't even grasp how great he is. And it suddenly hit me in a fresh way. He, the one that made all of that, is the one who stoops to comfort me when I'm down, to bind up my wounds. He, the creator of the universe, stoops to me. And I fell on my knees and I sobbed and sobbed and sobbed because it was too deep, too deep to grasp that such a God cares for us in our little problems. But it's true. He is not far removed from our problems. He reaches down to us in compassion. He enfolds us with his love. He lifts us up. And he enables us to rise above the storm like the eagles. Now, I don't know if you know, but most birds go and hide when there's a storm. They hide in a crevice of a rock. And again, that's a spiritual lesson we can learn, hiding in him. But the eagle doesn't go and hide. The eagle locks its wings and sits waiting for the thermals to come. He knows that when the thermals come, he can rise up on them and over the storm. He knows it may take time, but it will come. So what's God saying to us in all this? I wonder if, like me, you sometimes think that the devil seems to have the upper hand. In life situations, it's the devil that's on the winning side. That's how it sometimes seems. And it must have seemed like that for Job. If you think of the life of Job, he lost all his family except his wife, and his wife was such a thorn in his side, I think probably wished he'd lost her as well. But all his family died, he lost all his possessions, and then he lost his health, everything, and he lost his sense at that time of God caring for him. But in the end, though his questions all remained unanswered, he saw God, and that was enough. It was unthinkable that such a God could let him down. And that is true for us. Sometimes trust has to take over when understanding runs out. 
And like the eagles, we have to lock our wings. This is taking up our position. And we may say, I don't know what's happening, Lord. I don't understand. I don't like it. I'm hurting. But I trust you, Lord. I praise you. That's waiting on the Lord. That's taking our position in him. And eventually, the winds of God will come and will lift us up and over the storm and move us on to a new place in him. Oswald Chambers once said, I don't care what God does. It's who he is I care about. And that's what God's saying to us today. Think of who he is. His infinite power, his great compassion and patience and understanding. This God is totally faithful. We say there's nothing impossible to God. There is something impossible. He can't deny his own nature. He can't let down someone who's trusting in him. That's impossible. His way is perfect. Praise his name. Amen.